Welcome everybody to the Talk About Podcast. Even though this ain't the podcast, this is Talk About That. You guys can follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and subscribe here on YouTube. Today we have a great guest. He's one of the coaches at Revolution. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt himself. We got Tom on the podcast. Tom, thank you so much for doing this. You know, um, you are one of the first guys from the gym that I thought about having on the podcast, not because of anything that has to do with jujitsu, just with our conversations. Sure. You are one of the best people I've had conversations with. I couldn't think of somebody better to be on the podcast. And like you said, you're going away for work uh, tonight. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. No problems. Thanks for having me. How do you pronounce the last name? It's Patty. 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 Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. It's Sicilian. So... It's not Irish like okay. everybody tends to seem to think, but it ends in an I. Yes, that's why. Because of the I, I was like, is it Patty? I just didn't want to mess it up, so I thought I would ask after the fact. But we refer to him as Coach Tom, Professor Tom. Obviously, at the gym, Revolution. Before we get to the podcast, I want to shout out Pendelmar Power, the official home of Talk Bad Without Them. We wouldn't be in this beautiful place, and none of this would be possible. And, of course, Revolution BJJ. You guys can go to RedBJJ.com, start your jiu-jitsu career. And like I said, uh... Tom is a big familiar face at the gym, and we're going to get all into that. Um, but first, why are you going away? Where are you going? Uh, you said Virginia? Yeah, I'm heading to Richmond straight after this. Nice four-hour ride, so oh, wow. hopefully I'll be there before midnight. Yeah, I, I travel for work a lot. So, What do you do exactly for work? So I sell uh, coatings to large vehicle manufacturers, okay. uh, mainly in the uh, emergency vehicle space, construction space, things like that. So... I get out there, I show guys how to use the material and how to spray it. So, yeah, that's my day job. Yes, sir. So that's what you're going to be doing. How long are you going to be there? Because the 4th of July is also coming up as well. Are you through that? Yeah, I kind of planned a little bit too much for myself this week because I'm actually driving to I'm driving to Richmond tonight. Right. The job's in Greenville, North Carolina. So I'm going there, and Friday I'm going to head back, pack for the beach, and then Jeez, I'm heading to LBI for, for, for a week. So, yeah, so there's no jujitsu for me uh, for the next week and a half. Right. And there may not be any jujitsu for me in, in the next few weeks because I, I, I have an injury that I'm kind of working on. So oh, really? I'll be teaching Mondays, but I, I it depends on I go to the orthopedic when I get back. And, you know, I've got a pretty bad torn tendon on my top side, kind of like oh, a tennis elbow oh. thing going on. People call it tennis elbow. If you don't know, tennis elbow sounds like, oh, that's nothing. It heal- no, it is. It depends on what it is. This, I think it's torn, and we'll get confirmation oh, on man. that when I get back. So it's been kind of rough trying to grapple with one hand. Oh, and- yeah, I'm sure. We got <laughs> yeah. a fly freaking flying around in here, of course. Yeah, Tom yeah. brings in there you all go. the flies. So. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I do want like I said, I just want to was curious about where you were going. And are you a big beach guy? I mean, you're going to the beach. Are you going with your family? I'm going to imagine for 4th of July. Is that the yeah. premise of it? We go every year. There's 13 of us. We get a house in, uh, on, on the L- an LBI. Oh, wow. And no, I'm not a big beach person. Really? Matter of fact, I hate the beach. I don't wow. understand the beach. My confusion with the beach is it's hot outside. We go, we sit on this beach for eight hours. You sweat. The sand sticks to you. <laughs> and then you go in this salty water to wash it off to walk back out to get more and sand, more on, sand you. on you. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. So get a pool and give me beer. <laughs> And stick me in there, and you guys can go on the beach all day. That's my preferred vacation. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, That's I, good. I don't. I don't I like, like the, the beach. beach. <laughs> I'm a beach. I, I'm not a type I, of guy who wants to be on the beach for like a week. Sure. Um, but you know, first couple of days on the beach is always good for me personally. I, I do understand you're not a big beach guy, are you? Rally? No. Yeah, Riley's more of like my parents love the beach. You they like, have an RV there, and oh, they yeah. go there like they are all the time. I like the beach scene. You know, I like that 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 whole you know aspect to it. Yeah. But. They spend eight hours on the beach. They bring their lunch out to the beach. You ever try eating a sandwich on the beach? Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's like, you know what? No, no. With all the birds. You're like eating sand. And then you got the birds freaking flying around on your head. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the last thing I need is me on YouTube beating the crap out of a seagull. (laughs) And that going viral. That go viral. (laughs) Yeah. Then people. (laughs) people Rev instructor beats up seagull on the beach. Yeah, for sure. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, the beach isn't interesting. I mean, I feel like most people, you're either... You really like the beach, or you really don't. There's not yeah. as many in between. Like I would say, actually, I'm kind of in between. I do really like the beach, yeah. um, but I'm not like as crazy about it as some people are. Some people can sit on the beach all day. You long. can't be there for a long time. Like nah, after a week, except like the yeah. first day. Like I haven't gone to the beach yet this summer. So when I go down to Myrtle Beach, you can bet yeah. that the first cool. day I'm going to be on the beach the whole day. Mm-hmm. But like I said, throughout the week, 
whole day. Yeah. No? You're not on the beach? Not the whole day. Well, Tom's over here the saying he's up hours. and out. He sits down. He puts the chairs down for maybe his wife and the daughter. And then he's like, I'm out of here. I'm going back to the pool. I'm, I'm drinking a beer. And I'm done. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seven days. But let's talk about some <laughs> other stuff other than the beach. Um, obviously, jiu-jitsu is a major part of not only your life, what you do, you also teach it now. And I want to talk about different aspects of it all. When did you start jiu-jitsu yourself? Um, where did you start? When did the journey begin? You know, where, where does that start for Tom? So, um, and um, you caught me at a point in my life where I'm kind of reflecting back 12 years. You know, uh, I was 35. I was completely out of shape. Um, I wanted to do something that retained my interest. You know, going to a gym does not sound interesting to me. Going to lift weights sounds boring. You know, I knew ever since watching the first UFC, I don't know, I think it was 1994, 1993, mm. 1994, pay-per-view, I said, jiu-jitsu is what I want to do. But in the 90s, you know, you, the only, if you wanted to do jiu-jitsu, you had to go to New York. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. it just, or, or, or somewhere in California at the time. Back you know? then. Completely was, different yeah. to what it is now, especially. Yeah, the explosion had changed. So, you know, Every karate studio known to man offered jujitsu, right? And I'm like, all right, let's go check this out. And I think I went to, and I won't name names, right? A couple local ones in Oxford, and and they, oh yeah, we, yeah, we do jujitsu. We teach a jujitsu class, and it's like, you know, it's like maybe a few minutes of a floor drill or something, right? And I'm looking at this, I'm like, no, nah, this is a joke. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to a karate school. I did Tang Soo Do Mudo Kwan as a as a teenager. And that wasn't what I was there for. I didn't want to punch. I didn't want to kick. I wanted something that was like a puzzle and that involved some physicality to it because that's what keeps me interested. So at 35, I realized that there was one in my backyard at Team Defiant, you know, where we used to train as a kid. Right. And the big warehouse is over behind the car wash. So I started going there. And, I, and let me tell you, I was completely out of shape, completely overweight. I remember we had to do a lap around the gym. As soon as I started going for a lap around the gym, I was winded. I looked over and I remember seeing uh, Professor Fitchett look at me and I knew in his eyes, this guy's not going to last very long. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people you know, thought that, you know, and immediately it just, it just, it just snapped. It was like, this is what I want to do. And if you saw where I was prior to COVID, I mean, I, I was uh, about 180, 89 pounds right before COVID when I first moved from Oxford to Kennett when we opened the other gym. Right. So I had, it was life-changing for me, completely life-changing. You got in the wow. best shape. I remember best you telling me this in the gym. You yeah. were the best shape of your life before That's COVID. Good. Yep. And then, and then COVID happened. And mind you, I didn't stop rolling through COVID, but I was drinking and eating whatever right. I wanted. And I yeah. was sitting at home, not moving. And I'm, I'm fighting the effects of that to this day. Right. Right. And, you know, now that I'm I'm going to be 47 this year and I'm still doing jujitsu. Yes, sir. It's not coming off as fast as it used to. Right. The brain doesn't think as fast as it used to. So we're dealing with a whole other set of, of of rules, a new game plan that happens to you when you get deep into your 40s with jujitsu. But that's, a, you know, that's kind of the love and the art of it. Like you have to learn to adapt and adjust. You know? Right. And something that you noted earlier, which is so interesting to me, is you talked about how you entered at 35. Correct. And when we had Jamie on, it was a similar deal. When you talk to Eric Naples, obviously he started when he was 16 or even younger. Yeah. When you start at such an older age, is it? and this is why it was great, and we even made it a clip when Jamie was talking about it's either best to start at 10 years old or now. When you did start at 35, was that hard? Like mentally, were you like, man, you know, I'm going to go in there and there's going to be a lot of young cats in there, a lot of young cats that are also in better shape than me. Was that hard for you? So it's funny because you, you're looking at it as a perspective of a young 20-year-old. I'm looking at it as a 35-year-old at the time thinking, I'm just as young as the rest of these guys. Right. So at 35, I didn't think I was a 35-year-old man. I thought I was a 20-something-year-old kid. Okay. Now, mind you, most of the guys in the gym that were deep in their jiu-jitsu path were in there was the, were the same age as me. You know, I started with Professor oh, Sean as a purple belt. Okay, That's I interesting. Star I started with Nick Willie as a uh, was a blue belt when I started. So a lot of and well, Nick was Nick's about ten years younger than me, but a lot of those guys were were you know 
we're kind of close to the same age. And and that seems to be a path. A lot of guys in their 30s kind of jump into jujitsu as and it becomes a life changing thing. So you see it, but I also see it, you know, younger. I mean, my daughter's 16. Yeah. And she started a year after me. I got both my kids involved because I thought, hey, a good thing. If I can get my kids involved, then it's a family event. Mm-hmm. And then I can come yeah. every yeah. night. Yeah, it's all you got to play the game. And that's how it worked. Tom, and I was literally with the detective glasses. at the gym. <laughs> I was at the gym. I was at the gym every night I could possibly be there. You can ask, you know, anybody at at, that's at our gym now. Yeah, I was a staple. I was there all the time, and sometimes in the summer, because you know, uh, Professor Jamie's a a teacher, he would have off, and I worked from home a lot. We'd get up in the morning, we'd train. We'd meet for lunch, we'd train. We'd come to the gym an hour before class, and we'd train. Wow. Then we'd take class. So it was. A lot of rolling. And so especially imagine. at the age. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, it's wow. different for us to go in sure. like we do and we train when it's just us or class. But for you to do that and to be disciplined enough to do that at your age is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask because I felt like that's an important thing, a part of your story sure. that people should realize a little bit. You know, like you did start so late. Do you regret how late you started? You feel oh. like it's a part of your story? Like, you Man, know. And if that place was, if I knew that place existed 10, 15, 20 years earlier, I would have been there. Okay. But the crazy thing about it is nothing speaks to me like jujitsu. Nothing can hold my attention. I have severe ADHD. Okay. So to, it has to be extremely interesting for me to go, I want to be here all the time. Right. And that's what it was. And wow. That's, you know, and that's been my path for the last 12 years. Would you say, and we're going to get back to jiu-jitsu, don't sure. worry, but I'm would you worried. say it's the same thing for music? Because I know that you're very big in the music. My family has been a part of music my whole entire life. My dad, he, he picked up a guitar when he was 10, and he flew out to California with his brother, his twin brother, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get my dad on here someday, and that'll be a story for them, but, you know, he... He really pursued it, and it all ran through the family. I play the drums. My dad plays guitar, or my brother plays guitar. My sister sings. Music's been a big part. That's another thing and another reason why I wanted to have you on. Is it the same deal with music? Do you have that same attachment, like jujitsu with music? I'm a little more lazier with music. Okay, but I've been playing music since I was 12 years old. So this is different. Yeah, and my my you know it's my father was a musician. I would go to sleep listening to his band practices when I was a kid. Wow. So when he decided to move the family from North Jersey to Pennsylvania, he sold up and gave all his gear away. You know he was performing you know live. He had a record, the whole deal, and. Uh, he dedicated all his time to the family. We decided we were going to pick, me and my brother and I decided we are going to pick up instruments. So we started playing in 12, 13, and it's been that way ever since. But it's been, not that, I, not that I'm like, I, I think I'm extremely gifted at playing music. It's just one of those things I think I take more for granted than, um, than I should. Right. And I don't spend as much time rehearsing and practicing as I probably should. Right. Um, but then again, my aspirations have never been. I'm going to be the next Jimmy you know, Hendrix. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know. But now, Grant. With that being said, I also get into playing some pretty complex stuff. So it's not like it's not like uh, I I can't do some of that stuff. I'm just not focused on it. Right. Would you say you are more passionate, more focused on jujitsu compared to music? So for the last since I started jujitsu, my music um, passion has waned. And now that I'm at a certain age and I'm doing less jujitsu now, the music is creeping back in and it's starting to become an anchor for me. So figuring out the balance is going to be the interesting part. Right. Um, because I'm playing a lot more than I ever have. So. And are you playing, you're playing out, right? Playing gigs too? So prior to COVID, I was, you know, we were playing large festivals, you know, up and down the East Coast and, and I was doing a lot of playing. I mean, probably a hundred some odd shows a year. COVID happened, wiped the whole band out, and so it's kind of like starting oh, from wow. scratch. Okay, oh, wow. which is fine. It's 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 just a different it's a different world, you know. So yeah. now I want to play more locally. I don't want to travel anymore. I just want to play and have people go, "Hey, that sounded good." And then, yeah, you know, that's it. I don't want to be out till two or three in the morning like we used to. Right. You just want to do like a nice evening type yeah. deal at a nice place, nice venue, a good amount of people. Something close. Right, for <laughs> sure. To get back to jiu-jitsu, um, I wanted to ask you an interesting question before we really dig deep into it all and your journey and then mm-hmm. transferring to a coach. Um, what would be your advice for somebody who's starting new, completely fresh, has no experience? For example, Riley 
obviously, you know, just started jiu-jitsu not too long ago, and yep. he's coming in with nothing. Yep. And we've been training, obviously, all the time together. And I tell Riley to come in with nothing. Mm-hmm. He's doing extremely well. And I'm not just saying this. He's my best friend. I'll tell him to his face if he sucks. Like, the truth is, <laughs> right, like, he's, right. he's doing extremely well. I came in with a wrestling background for somebody who doesn't have any experience and is coming in from a young age. Yeah. What would be your advice for something like that? Um, you know, a lot of when, when you come in, you, you should be a blank slate or a blank palette. Because that's what's going to, you know, allow you to absorb everything that you can when you walk in the door. You're going to get a ton of information. There's going to be information overload from the moment you walk in. And all this stuff is foreign. The movements we do in jiu-jitsu are not common. And that's what makes it so special. You know, so when you get on those mats, you're doing things that um, that you wouldn't do in your normal day life. You know, you're, right. you're not going to go and start shrimping through your day at work, right? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> No. Um, but a lot of those things, you know, they repeat themselves through jujitsu. So keeping yourself open and understanding that you're going to be doing movement that's uh, quite foreign. One, don't ever underestimate the fat, overweight dad. Don't yeah. under, don't ever do it because you're going to get you're going to get something handed to you pretty quick, and it happens a lot. It's funny. These young guys come in who are fit, and trust me, young guys give you a hard time. They give you a hard time, but don't underestimate the overweight dad who's been in there, you know, for the past couple of years because jujitsu is the great equalizer in that whole equation there. Um, ego, you have to check it. We all have an ego. We all carry it. Egos exist. You can't get away from it, but you have to check it. You have to, your ego has to be checked. And when you're rolling and somebody flat out taps you or beats you, you have to appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. Maybe you are a better athlete than that person. Maybe you're a better jiu-jitsu practitioner than that person. But every once in a while, someone's going to catch you on something. And they're going to find a weak spot. And they're going to get you, even as a black belt, happens, happens to me now. You know, you have to be willing to go, okay, I get, he got me. Recognize that person. Good job. That was awesome. And then learn from it. Because my thing is, when you walk around with this ego and be like, that guy got me, got a cheap shot. You're going to carry around this, like, air to you. And guess what's going to keep happening? Right. And you know what? Right. Jiu-jitsu is a roller coaster. You feel good. You feel bad. You feel good. You feel, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. You're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And if you base yourself on that ego, those downs are going to suck. You're just going to be like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm not good. And it's all up in here, man. It's all up in here. The best thing that jiu-jitsu prepares you for is keep giving you a strong head because you're going to be going through an emotional roller coaster the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. So. You feel like yeah. that happens? Yeah. Like it's like a and mental. Humbling. Yeah, like the first week or the first month, like all the stuff is getting in my head and everything. And then after a couple more months, it starts to like, okay, I get this. Okay, I get this. Like, I don't know. I start to get things so now. The funny thing is, and, and I used to say this all the time about new guys coming in, right? So you experience all these things that happen to you, and you and you try you're trying to figure it out, right? You're like, oh whoa, Holy yeah. It's like, what the heck just happened to me? I have no idea what happened to me. Yeah. Right. Take your beatings, take your beatings. Why? Because the new guy is going to come in, and when the new guy comes in, you get to practice all the stuff that everybody's been practicing on you on them, and you get to start dishing out beatings. And then guess what? You guys get deeper into you get deeper into your jujitsu path, and it becomes a give and take. Right. But like I've said before, we eat our young in jujitsu. Yeah. You know, you get beat up by the guys who are experienced. And then the yep. new guys that come in, we, we sharpen our skills on them. It's just the way it is. Right. And then you get to a certain point where you're equal to, you know, some of the some of the other belts and you and it becomes this learning circle. I mean, you see it with the Friday night classes. Yeah. Beautiful learning circle. Those oh, yeah. guys are going to like, there's no reason why I should go to that class because they're learning off each other in this little spinning circle that they're just going to get better and better and better by doing what they do. And I think that's fantastic. So that would be my advice. Take your beatings because it's going to come around. You're going to give your beatings out to somebody else. you yeah Yeah. I mean it's totally like that and I was just curious because and this is even just I mean eventually you're not going to be the new guy you've been doing this for a couple months now especially but I just like to you know for him because he's on here for me even and for you know everybody watching because we all know that the people watching this podcast you know 
are probably in some sort of sense within jiu-jitsu. So it's just good for anybody that's new to the sport. Um, like we've talked about multiple times already, you are a black belt in this sport. Mm-hmm. And um, I do want to ask, I'm not going to break it down as, you know, deeply as we've done with some other people because you're a coach, and I want to ask you some other questions about that. But when you did become blue belt, purple belt, brown belt to black belt, do you mind giving us a little bit of like a rundown on how you felt and the work that it took for each belt? I know that we've talked about this a little bit in the gym, especially the purple belt run. Sure. Um, but if you want to talk about that, I'm, I'd love to hear about every belt. Yeah, so I, uh, I come from an old school lineage where we inserted the green belt yeah. on adults. And, and I have no opinion about that one way or another. To me, throwing an extra belt in there in between white and blue kind of gives the person who's just starting jujitsu a little bit of confidence that they're progressing. Because in other schools, you can spend a long time at white belt, depending on the school, you know, and you're going to be judged based upon your circle of people in your school. I mean, I'd like to say it's all equal everywhere you go. It's not. You know, you're being judged based upon your peers within your gym and in your circle. If you go to compete, that might be a little bit better of a look for your professor to kind of see where you're at. But in the same aspects, we're judging you against the the pool of people. And so, you know, I went from white to green in a year. um, And I think it was give this guy a green belt because he shows up every night and he's in his 30s and he takes his beatings and he's here. Right. That's right? how you felt? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, well, I was there a year, so it was like, you know, I got my stripes. It was like, ah, you know, now it's like the green belt is to keep me interested, right? Right. So I get the green belt. By the time I got the green belt, I was actually assisting the professor with, with coaching kids because my kids were involved in jiu-jitsu at this point in time. Mm. So I started teaching my second year of jiu-jitsu, co-teaching with Professor Mike Fitchett with the and kids. And you were a green belt. I was a green belt. Holy smoke. So you got in the teaching like right, right off the bat. Right like you didn't away. even get a chance to breathe. And there is no better arc outside of actually physically rolling and doing your actual grappling time of of a jujitsu arc than actually showing people why it works for you. Right? That's how it starts the process. When you have to self analyze what makes something good work, it becomes a better tool for you, right? So I did green belt for a year. I got promoted to blue belt. And I think by the time I got promoted to blue belt, I'm trying to think back, you know, most of the time I always felt like I wasn't worthy for the belt. Right. So when I got blue belt, it was, uh, really? Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, I'm a blue belt now. Now I got to be held up to blue belt standards. Now I got to, Make sure I tap some of the other blue belts that come in. Or wow! Sure. So this is really what you're thinking so when you, you got it. Yeah. So you didn't think you were a blue belt when you got it? No. No. Nope. Nope. I didn't go. I deserve this blue belt. How long nope. was it from green to blue? Uh, green well, a year. So okay, so you went two years two from years white in, to blue. So and you know, in the grand scheme of things, at another school, it's like two years at white belt. Right. Right. But the green, yeah, and I know, and and it's different at all gyms. At Rev, we do now at least it's green belts for only the kids. Correct. Um, but like you said, it, yep. it has been like that, and there's a lot of guys who came up through our gym that did get their green belt yep. and stuff like that. So, yep. no, nah, yeah, I I just was curious. So, so two years from that, okay. I, I put two and a half years in at blue belt, and I have all my belts stacked. You yeah. can see. And you can see the amount of training I did in every belt level, right? The white belt's real skinny and crushed, and the and the, the blue belt's had some worn. The stripes are kind of starting to fade. Then I got my purple belt. When I got my purple belt, I think I felt I was ready for purple belt. Not, and there's a lot of times, you know, when people go in the belts, they never feel they're ready for a belt. They're always like, whoa, I don't deserve this responsibility. Right, well, you, like, By like the you time just I said, got the purple yeah. belt, I had piss and vinegar in my veins. I was ready yeah. To go, I was ready. I was ready for purple belt. Right, and I put the work in it. Purple belt was my favorite belt of all times. Wow! Because everybody wants to murder the purple belt. They always are in fear of the purple belt. The purple belt has the ability to tap the brown belt, smashes all the blue belts. Every blue belt wants to tap a purple belt because hey, it's tapping a purple belt, right? The purple belt goes into uh, a neighboring gym, and I did a lot of gym traveling and hitting other gyms, and you go out against other purple belts, and they and you become, it's like shark-infested waters. Wow, that is so interesting, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. I just have to say, like, when we talk to Dave, and when we talk to, or when we talk to Chris, and we talk to Eric, not Dave, I apologize, 
both Eric Naples and Chris said that they hated Purple Bell. <laughs> and they hated it for different reasons. Chris hates Purple Bell for a different reason than Eric hates Purple Bell. Mm-hmm. But it's been so interesting that we've talked to everyone and everybody's like, Purple Bell sucks. And here you are. And I don't Love know it. if it has something to Love do it. with the way you trained, with your age maybe, with the knowledge that you were getting, with the gym. Like I, there's obviously a lot of things that go into your feelings towards each belt. Mm-hmm. But you really did like Purple Belt. Purple Belt is where it all starts to come together. Purple Belt is where your game plan is formed. By the time you're a brown belt, you it's already just, have a game. It's just about... You're doing the same stuff. Yeah, it's just time and sharpening the skills. Brown Belt's just a waiting period for a black belt. Right. So I put a good three and a half, four years in plus at Purple Belt. Okay, so you went two years from white to blue with the green belt in between. Two and a half years, so you're at four and a half years with the purple. And then how many years until brown? So about another four, so almost eight four years, years eight at years, Brown. Eight years to Brown. To Brown, right? Okay. And how and, was that moment? And and actually, don't even if you still got stuff to say about the purple, I'm fascinated. Yeah. No, so. purple belt was great. So <laughs> I mean, at that point in time, and it had a lot of it had to do with where I was, you know, personally in my life and how younger I was, and and so I was still eager, you know, to to, to chase those things. So by the time I got my brown belt, I didn't feel like. I deserved my brown belt. I was like, I could stay here at purple for a while. Right. Why? Because I could tap some brown belts. I could, you know, and I still, and I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, I, I was just, you know, just turning 40 or just after 40. So like everything hasn't started to slow down at that point in yeah, time. Right. So I still felt yeah. young, you know? Um, so by the time I got my brown belt, I was like, ah, I don't deserve this. And matter of fact, I didn't necessarily want it. I know that's like blasphemous to say, but no, people are like that. It was like, I don't know if I want my brown belt because there's a different responsibility with brown. Now, what I know about brown belts and what I see in brown belts are they are the most laziest jujitsu practitioners out there. Because at that point, you're just really waiting for your black belt. Well, it depends. It depends on the school. But, uh, you know, the brown belts that I've come across in my path and journey is most of those guys are just like, yeah, yeah, it's brown belt, man. I'm just squatting, you know? Yeah. So and by, then when you get the black belt, it changes everything. But in a sense, that's what they're probably thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, you think about it. By the time you get to brown belt, you've put almost nine some years into jujitsu. So at some point in time, it's like, you know, depending on the person, um, the luster that it was in the lower belts is not like it was anymore. Yeah. And probably a lot of times is by when you get in the brown, you're still fearing that that crazy piss and vinegar purple belt's going to annihilate you and right. embarrass you in front of a group of people. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's possible. It's possible, right? You got a younger kid, you know, all things being equal, you can check the age box, you can check the physicality, the athletic box and, and, and the belt. And you, and if those things don't add up, someone's going to get you, they're going to get you. And it's just the nature of the game. So you have to understand and be okay with it. So Brown belt to me was a waiting period for black. And now that I'm in, in, in black belt, it was kind of like the pressure's off for me. Because, yeah, and that's why I'm saying, I keep bringing up the age thing. Yeah. It's because it really, I feel like the age plays a big difference in mm-hmm. what you think about things. Because when you think about it, some people, if you're 20 years old competing at Blue Belt, some people just want to stay at Blue Belt because you're so young, you got so much time, there's no need. You weren't necessarily competing. You were almost already in the coaching role because you got the coaching role at Green Belt, which yeah, is why yeah. it's crazy to me. Yep. But when you did get your black belt, yeah, so well, you know, I got my black belt, and and it was like pressures off. Hobson I, was is the one who gave it to yeah, you. Yeah, right? I got my I my black belt from Hobson Mora, um, which was is in and of itself is a really really awesome thing. Oh yeah, cool. I mean, you know, you, you guys know a little bit about Hobson. Oh Mora, yeah, and you're gonna know more. He is one of the original guys to 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 you know to really blaze a path for jujitsu. In the United States. And look at it now. Like oh. you were saying, like we were talking about in the And he's younger like, than me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already got how many stripes on his, eight yeah. stripes on his black belt. Yeah. He's got, he's an eight-time Hall of Famer, or eight-time world champion yeah. in the IBJJF Hall of Fame. The man is absolutely, obviously a legend. travel, you know, like I did, I traveled for work, I traveled, you know, a lot. I used to travel pretty much the entire country. And when I would go, I would take a gi, throw a gi in my bag. I'm not a big gee guy, but at the time at Purple Belt, I liked gee, so yeah. that's the big difference too. Um, I would go to other gyms 
And a lot of those guys I'd run into are seasoned jujitsu guys. And hey, who do you train with? Well, I'm Hobson Moore School. He'd be like, You're at Hobson Moore School? I was like, Yeah. And they're like, That's awesome. One guy like points to a picture, and there's a picture of him like shaking hands with Hobson Moore. Like he was so proud of it. And this was a Gracie school, you know? So right. he's like, That's yeah. me with Hobson Moore. I'm like, That's funny because he was at my school like a week ago. Like, yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Cool. I mean, that, he really <laughs> yeah. is. He's really trail. And that's why it's like, like we talked about earlier, like you used to go around and Jiu class was nothing. Yeah. But look at it now. You can't go anywhere it grows. without seeing the sport. The yeah. sport is not stopping is continuing to grow more eyes are getting put on the sport it's an amazing sport obviously uh mixed martial arts ufc stuff of that nature helps you know bring that light to it because jiu-jitsu is obviously a big part in this all um but it's really interesting and then when you did get your black belt you know that took a lot of the pressure off you yeah now let me ask you this question and this is where it's interesting because you already started coaching but would you say that the when did you really get into coaching? You know what I mean, like like because now you teach every Monday at Rev. Mm-hmm. You know you are you are a professor there, and like, and I asked Jamie the same question: the transition between being a student, and having your own journey, your own you know path with getting all these belts, when you transition to being a coach. Yeah, what was the transition like? So you know, a little history lesson on that. By the time I got my purple belt. I was co-teaching kids' class, and Professor Fitchett had stepped I'm away. I'm going to put in the charger real quick. I was just looking at that. Continue. You're good. I can hear. Professor Fitchett stepped away from um, from teaching, and so I was co-teaching the kids' class with a, you know, a buddy of ours who runs a gym very close to here, uh, Huey Meehan. Him and I were the kids' coach, and we primarily were teaching kids you know, uh, every class. Yeah. And then when we opened Rev Kennett, Jamie had asked me to come to Kennett, and ironically, a lot of things in my life were changing. I got a new job, bought a new house in Kennett, so it put me right in Kennett, and I started co-teaching kids' class with another uh, gym owner, Anthony Passanelli, who was with us before he had uh, eventually opened up his own gym as well. So I would say by the time I was in Purple Belt, I was in full-fledged coaching mode, and um, there's a different... You know, you start to learn there's an art to coaching. And if you half-ass it, and sometimes that happens, you know, if you, depending on what your work day looks like, because, hey, this is not a primary yeah. job for me. But I try to put a lot of effort into my lessons. I try to research, you know, things. I, I'll even go on like, hey, I know I'm going to teach my favorite side control stuff today. I'll go online and, and, and look at other stuff to see if I can pick up an extra detail that might be helpful to somebody. Or if I'm seeing someone else do it, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that too. That works for me. I'm going to introduce that into my lesson. If we're not be constantly being researchers of the art, we're not going to be able to give back. You know. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a YouTube watcher like crazy. But yeah, a lot of what I do spawns from what makes me successful on the mat. So I bring to you stuff that I that I know that I do well. You're not going to see me do any barambola. Why? Because I don't barambola. Look at me. I'm not a barambola type of guy. I'm not. It's not going to work in my game. Right. I'm not going to teach you stuff that doesn't work in my game. And some people will conf- have conflicting conversations. There are other coaches out there who will tell you you need to be. You need to know everything about it as a black belt so you can give every bit of knowledge to that one person. You know what? There's no rules to this. There's no rules to this. Listen. I'm going to be a better teacher to you if I use it. If I use it every day, I'm going to be able to explain to you that move and show you inside and out and how to use it. If it's something I don't use, it doesn't fit in my game. Well, that also just comes with styles. You're going to get yeah. different you're going to get different tools from different practitioners depending on what they do. Always good to get different lessons from different people. So like for example, for when you go to Tom's class on Monday, expect possible side control, butterfly guard, things from that nature. That's a lot. I mean, I'm just, you yeah. know, going through some yeah. of the stuff that you've done. Don't expect some other things, but you can yeah. expect that yeah. from some other coaches that other people, you know, Correct. other gyms obviously provide other and coaches. It, and if we all taught the same stuff, <clears throat> what's the point of having different classes, you know? Right. I mean, ironically, um, I trained with Jamie a lot, so I share a lot of similar things with Jamie. Now, I don't teach gi. If I taught gi, you'd probably see a lot of the same stuff you see in Jamie's class and then you see in Sean's class. Right. Although I have some other things that I utilize. I have a whole other bank of tools 
for gi. I just don't teach gi. Right, and and I ask this question to everyone who is a jiu-jitsu grappler on this podcast. Gi or no gi? I already know the answer because we've talked about this before, and it is no gi. 100% no gi. Why would you say no gi again? As I got older, um, you know, uh, gi has just become a nuisance for me. I don't like wearing a gi. To me, I don't feel like, for the art of the sport, and I respect it for the art of the sport, and listen, it doesn't mean I'm not going to train gi. There'll be a moment in time where I'll flip back to gi and be like, yeah, I love doing this again. But right now, where I'm at, no gi. I like to move quick. I like to, I like to be able to get in and out. The gi slows the game down, right? It does. Yeah, 100%. For better or for worse. You ask a guy why they like gi, and what do they tell you? What's, why, is, why do they slows like gi? It slows everything down so they can slow what's down it? the guys well, who What's the are- main reason? The oh. main reason why I like the gi is for the grips. Oh, yeah. Right? Of course. Ask a guy why he doesn't like the gi. What's he going to tell you? The grips. The grips. It's a love-hate. Right? Yeah. And I told, and I've said this to Ryan, when I first got into jiu-jitsu, I didn't know even what a gi was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get into, like, I've been doing jiu-jitsu now, I think for, in August, it will be nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no. In August, it would be closer to a year. But the thing is, with gi, I've only been doing it for in August by nine nine months. So I've been doing jiu-jitsu in August for a year, but I didn't get into gi until a couple months after I started doing, you know, going to Rev, signed up, and did the whole, you know, the whole thing. But it's it's really interesting because people really do have mixed, you know, you know, what do you think about it now? Because I know you keep saying, like, maybe as you get into it more, you'll like it more. Are you still at the same spot with gi? Right now, I like no gi, but I don't know. I feel like I would grow on gi more. I don't know. I personally, this is my opinion, like, if I'm going to compete, if I'm going to roll with a bunch of people, I'm picking no gi. Um, But I do feel like practicing in the gi helps me learn the moves better because it's so much slower and I don't have to waste any any energy in the game. I think as I, much. I think more of the more of the experienced people at gi is it's going to be harder to. Oh my gosh! Try you to know the try grips. to do something than no gi. What about on the street though? What is what, what? Because people argue this all the time. I don't even think this is even a question. They're both fine on the street, but what would you say is more effective on the street? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Uh, you know, I mean, as as it pertains on the street of repurse, you know, as it pertains to jujitsu, you know, I mean, because I think if you if somebody's wearing jeans, if this guy is a black but, belt in jujitsu, a but, brown belt, a purple belt, blue, it doesn't matter. But who's wearing jeans on a street fight? What are you talking about? You you're, you're just saying oh. because you're in the street, you don't wear jeans. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, People no. wear jeans all the time. Even that, even those car like those pants. If you grab that, okay. it's just like a gi, right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's kind. Of, I think it's kind of a difficult thing to decipher one way or another. I mean, they're I all. Mean, it's all one the thing. I'm not. I, I mean, the one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say. I, I say I'm not going to do something, and then I visualize me. Freaking ex choking <laughs> somebody in their leather jacket. You know what I mean? Like, like it's all possible. Right. It's all possible. But I'm just saying, like, really, yeah. if somebody's wearing a hoodie, dude. Sure. You know, with that bat, bat that right. uh, baseball bat, too. Oh. That Tom freaking taught. Oh, no, you didn't teach it. Jamie taught it, but Tom was the, the oh, guy. Was the um, was yeah, like, remember yeah. that? Tom oh, was like, yeah, we're doing yeah, the baseball. Yeah. Tom's freaking head was about to fall off. Yeah. And then <laughs> he comes over. Yeah, I turn purple. <laughs> Oh, Jamie, man. Jamie doesn't. Uh... Yeah, well, so <laughs> Jamie's probably the big reason that that kind of destroyed my thoughts about gi jitsu with the grips. Because once he gets a hold of you, there's <laughs> no. You must succumb. <laughs> you must. You know. You have to learn to work around somebody's grips. And everybody talks about he who wins the grip battle wins the game, right? And Jamie will say that all the time. When Jamie grips you up, you are not winning that grip That's battle. Crazy. You need to think of another game plan. I'm not son. even just saying that. <laughs> like I've rolled with everyone at the gym. I have yet to roll with Jamie Nogi. Um, because I I only I prefer to roll with him Nogi. Be yeah, because I've never rolled with him Nogi. But I do know him and the gi. Nice. I will never forget the one move that he did where he, I was in his guard and you th- and you you lock your legs in the guard, but then you oh, put TP. your arm Yeah, you put your arms around, grab ribs. Yep. Dude. I, I literally felt like I got shot in the ribs. It was the worst pain, and for three days yeah. after, it was horrible. Yeah, I don't recommend uh, rolls with Jamie in the gi. No, and, and Jamie doesn't care whether you're a white belt 
or a black belt, you're going to get the same intensity out you're of him. Get and, it. And in a way, in a way, I really do appreciate that. There were times where I would roll with Jamie and I would go train with him during the day and I'd turn to my wife and I'd go, well, hope I don't break something today. Yeah, I know. And she'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm rolling with Jamie. And But, you know, he, it was invaluable the lessons I learned grappling with him. Because of that strength, because of how dominating of a, of a grappler he is, um, I was able to turn that around and spin that against other people. When you know, and and it made me it made me a little more, I guess, sharper and a little more rough in a lot of ways. Right. Um, it's and I've always said, you know, when I was a kid, I played football. During football season, don't mess with me. I'm, I'll, you know, I'm I'm aggressive. Off football season, I'm the nicest guy in the world. You know, it's that way. When you get into, you know, when you're in, in t- doing a lot of rough roles in a, a, on a frequency that I was doing, you just become a very gruff person. Mm-hmm. And oh, then, yeah. You know, and then. It's just you know. so different compared, like, we, and we've talked, and we've had people on here, and we've talked about the difference between, re- like, wrestling and jujitsu and all the, jujitsu is just so, it's just different it's just a very different thing like you said mm-hmm. when we were going over single leg x the other day mm-hmm. like i told you this is going to feel very weird it makes yeah. no sense when chris taught me it for the first time and he was explaining he goes look this knee is going to drive down you're going to have your leg here and you're going to be doing this push and pull i'm like dude i can get out of this <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about some grip going like like pushing your knee <laughs> But he you puts ain't going it, nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. My leg's literally yeah. stuck. And you really learn that, like, even this position up on the hip when you're on single leg X, it's a weird position, but you mm-hmm. get used to it. You learn it. And then when you figure it out, I mean, and the legs in jiu-jitsu is becoming obviously That's even more and more and more, but it's a whole game. world. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, crazy the amount of things that you can do, and you're never going to know everything. And it's just like everything, anything you do, playing the guitar, mm-hmm. Doing jujitsu, you're never gonna know everything. Even with doing a podcast or whatever you do, you're always constantly learning. And I think something, and just to you know say this that I've always noticed about you is you always are trying to learn. You know, you talk to other people, you know, younger or older about moves and practice things, and you're always constantly trying to learn. And that I really appreciate. You know, not just as a grappler, but also as a coach to see other people, you know, asking questions. It's something that you do all the time. So, you know, is that something also that's important to implement not only in your game, but as a coach is asking other people for advice or different details on specific moves? Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors in everybody's jujitsu arc. You know, I mentioned age, athleticism, you know, uh, intelligence there's there's an aspect of intelligence involved in this game so everybody's going to have a different approach to things and somebody's going to pick something up that's different so when i turn around and i see you know one of our guys and i'll pick one out jake taking notes to see him do that and then to see him start drilling those things with some of the other guys in the gym and it's like i'll walk up i'll just sit there and stare i'm like hey how do you learn that oh yeah so that's there and then remember once in a while like hey you know you got to you got to know a plata in that too. Oh, but like to me, I'm fascinated by it because there's a whole new wave of new of jujitsu that wasn't there before. You know, a lot of it is dealing with the bottom half of the legs. You know, I didn't grow up with jujitsu like that. By the time I was in my brown belt, that game was starting to peak on the pro sport, pro side. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's amazing. Arjun honestly, never trained it. Yeah, it's crazy, and so, that's that's the thing. It's amazing how much it's really starting to grow because it's changed the game a hundred percent. Like Eric Naples. Oh my gosh! And he who has <laughs> totally embraced the leg game, and you look how successful he has been because of that. Yeah, he picked up on it quick, and he started running with it. And uh, so yeah, so anytime you can take his class, I always. Oh yeah, I know he's there tonight. I I'm know. heading down south, but I know. Um, and I don't. And listen. If I'm not there, it is no disrespect on any other. I love everyone who teaches at our school. If I could be there more, I would. I made a conscious decision coming out of COVID. I was just going to step back a hair from the gym a little bit. I was spending a lot of time in the gym. So it's going to come back around. It's cyclical for me. You know, after this summer, if I get this thing healed up and whatever it is, I'll be back on the mats as much as I possibly can. But work kind of kept me away too. Right. You know. 
And plus, you got to make sure the injury yeah. is good too, yeah, especially at the age. Like that's again back to mm-hmm. the age thing. It doesn't really matter. You need to keep up with your injuries. I mean, yeah. when I hurt my knee, it's hard sitting out for two weeks, and I almost like mentally challenge myself. Like I'll come to the gym and I'll watch, and it sucks because I just sit there and watch. But I feel like it's good for me to be able to just continue to watch and just stay in it. And I can, you know. Just to why At not be there? Yeah, I think but that's it's a it, great idea. Yeah, it just sucks going. sometimes yeah. when you're sitting there and you know you're you can't do anything. But I'm sure it's hard with your with your wrists and everything. Or your where is it? Uh, you said it's a forearm. It's, it's yeah, it's right it's right, right where the elbow meets the forearm. Yeah. It's pretty pretty. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I have some sort oh, yeah, of small it. tear. Yeah, it's 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 well, not like I can't. I have no strength from jujitsu. Is that where it came from? Actually, no. I I did it. Uh, Sorry about that. I did, I did it uh, bench pressing at the gym. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Jeez, like at the gym. Oh. Should have never went to the gym, Tom. Exactly. Should have stayed at the morals. Oh, exactly. Man. So, yeah. Yep, you, do, you go and do the boring stuff, and then you end up tearing every limb in your body. But back to the teaching real quick. There's, yeah, of there's course. There's one thing that I that I do, and and I, and I've, is I have every lesson I've ever taught for the last five years on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I take extensive notes. You probably wouldn't be able to read them because it's in it's in you yeah. Know, you're just right. But all my lessons, if you see me grab for my phone during the lesson, it's because I took a note, and because I have I it's planned out. So I have all of my lessons on my phone. Wow. At any given time, and and the date that I taught it. Wow. So I can go back and go, yeah, I taught that. Oh, you have them all just and my notes, notes on my phone. That's awesome. You didn't delete a single one. I wow. didn't delete them. Five years. That's well, that's great notes. because that's good to have. Yep. To go, you can always to... refer back, and if somebody asks, you can be like, you know what? You got the question. Let me go there into go. my dictionary. Yeah, oh. swipe it. swipe, swipe, swipe. You probably got a lot of. Sp- and and if I and if, the, if I use a video as a reference, I I save that link. In Before the we note. let you go, I know you got a big drive, and I don't want to keep you here too long. Yeah. I do have one final question for you. Um, obviously Rev is a sponsor of this gym. I wanted to talk about more of, you know, the coaching, your journey, but I do want to just give one light to it. You know, what would you say for you personally is one of the best parts of not only coaching, but coming up through and being a part of the gym revolution? Well, I think in jujitsu, it's a very intimate thing, right? We meet all these different people. You're not going to walk up to some random stranger and hug them. Maybe you will. I don't. I don't know what type of person <laughs> right. you are, but you're getting into close quarters with complete strangers, right? And you're and it's so like I said, it's a very intimate thing. It takes a very special brain to be able to embrace that. We're simulating murder and death by holding somebody close to us, right? So the friendships you develop in jujitsu, regardless of age gender, political backgrounds are priceless. So the best thing that you get out of jujitsu is almost like a family, right? We all have family who we can't stand their political view. Or we can't <laughs> yeah. we can't stand something about them, but they're family and they're always there, right? Right. That's the good part about jujitsu, right? You you have a crappy day, your day is terrible, and then you go hang out with your friends and simulate murdering them. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's like. I mean, I mean, in reality, you're once you smack hands, you're looking to submit. Submit. Yeah, you're simulating a, you're a murder scene, right? Yeah. And but that's but we're all doing it in a playful manner. We're doing it so we all get better and get good at this, right? Yeah. And I mean, in 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 the grand scheme of things, you ask me what I want out of jujitsu, it's to keep moving so I don't slow down and die. But in the benefit of this, you're getting a self defense. Oh yeah, yeah. You're getting you're getting a tool. My kids have tools that when they go off to college, that'll never leave them. I love oh, that no. discussion where everybody has meeting out into the street, <laughs> right? If you get out in the street and somebody attacks you, you know you've got all these jujitsu skills, right? And then there's so many variables that are in place. Of course, Mike yeah. Tyson says everybody has a game plan to get punched in the face, right? Very right. true fact. Yeah. Now, again, age, athleticism, lucky shot. Oh yeah! Somebody somebody smacks you, cold cocks you in your periphery. You can't see that. You're done. I don't care how no. much jujitsu you know. You're dropping. So there's so many variables involved in all this thing. Just always being aware. When I go to a bar and I feel like it's a contentious situation, 
I always look for the guy yep. with the messed up ears. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's gotta. a start, right? I thought yeah. you were saying look I around. for the exit. No, no, no. Well, that too. But you look around. <laughs> I go, all right. Don't mess exists. with that dude. That dude's got some roll time. In. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I always look at the guy with the most mangled ears is not necessarily says how good his jujitsu is, but you know, he's got, you know, some he's done something. <laughs> got something. Yes. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, look, if you get, but if you get a hold of him, you're in tricky, tricky. You're in bad waters. Listen, I mean, let's be honest here, Tom. Like if, uh, if, I, if you get a hold of another 50 year old guy, you get a hold of him. He's your size. Even if he's a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller. One yeah, thing jujitsu has done nice is it, it has definitely improved my confidence. It made oh, me go, of course. It made me go, yeah, I'm going to destroy that 50-year-old guy. But yeah. you don't know what that 50-year-old Of course, guy of course. You have to use conventional wisdom and go, How, what is the safest, best way to get out of this scenario? Right. And, and That's going to allow me to be able to walk in here tomorrow. Yeah. Always in my head. Trust me, when you get to a certain level of your jujitsu, you start going through those things like, wow, like this is all good and fine but i really hope i never have to use this oh i, I yeah, yeah although course. i do fantasize that there's that moment on a plane where you're able where that person yeah, goes just, off and you're like you're the guy that goes i got this yeah <laughs> and you save the day you're on a train you know? Jeez. <laughs> See, of oh, course man. that fantasy plays to your head you know tom's sitting on the plane he's like please somebody yeah, yeah. come on please it was almost like that one time we went on a plane oh to, uh, my the we went first to <laughs> The first time I was ever on a plane, UFC two eighty or two ninety or two seventy nine, whatever it was. Of course. And I, what was it? The guy brought drinks on the plane. What you're not allowed to have drinks on the plane. Something you're like that. Not supposed to have something on the plane, and then he had alcohol. He, I think he on the refused plane. to get to get off of the plane. They had to kick like, him out. Here so, we go. And so I told Ryan, get up. Come on, be the guy who saves the day. Remember, I was like, Ryan, well, let me why get this you straight though. Yeah. You guys are flying to Vegas to see a UFC event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this guy on the plane was probably going to the same event. Probably. Right. Maybe. So here's my rule of thumb: you don't start a fight at a jujitsu tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. I went to a kickboxing match and people started fighting, throwing fists everywhere, and I'm like, all oh, these guys are trained. I know. Like I'm looking <laughs> oh, yeah. for the, the exit. Whole, the I'm whole looking for the exit. Going. I'm not fighting that. Dude. Oh no. No. You know? Every you're looking at the wrangling years. Every year you look at is wrangling. Right. So every year. The next time, the next time you're at an IBJJF event and a fight breaks out, just get out of there. Just, just yeah, get that's no, true. Yeah. You're running out. I'm jumping on Tom's back. Yeah, I'm yeah, out. I'm getting out. <laughs> with the backpack and we that's out. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't want to keep, I, I, we could talk here all day, Tom, oh, I and I, and I would love to get you back on in the future, of sure, course, because yeah. I'm sure we'll have more, th like I said, you're the one guy that I could talk to, sure. no problem, Ouch. but I want to make sure you get, I know you got a long trip, I appreciate you doing this so much, especially no on the time, I really appreciate it, thank you, you so bet. much. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and, you. uh, you yeah, you guys know what to do, you guys can follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and subscribe here on YouTube, you guys can listen to this on all audio platforms, and, uh, yeah, we'll have a new talk about that. In the uh, in the next two weeks. Thank you again, Tom. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. And I uh, hope you guys have a good day. Right? Got anything else you want to say? Nope. Sweet. Thank you guys. Very have fun. a good rest of your day. And peace. peace.